Good morning, church family. Welcome to Skillman. <laughs> uh, for those of you that may not know me, I'm McKenna Miller. I'm the youth minister here at Skillman. So <laughs> I just want to admit to y'all that I'm terribly nervous today. Uh, so nervous, in fact, that I was thinking, I was like, wow, I wear heels like every Sunday. Maybe this wouldn't be the best day to do that. So <laughs> I was at Target, and I bought these new shoes because I don't really own any flats. And then I was like, well, I don't have a dress to match them, which is completely untrue because I have clothes spilling out of my closet. And uh, so I bought a new dress as well. <laughs> uh, so basically, moral of the story is, is that if I trip in these shoes, well, I really have no excuse. <laughs> um, this Sunday, it was on the calendar as Senior Sunday. But since we have no seniors... You know, we decided to make it our official Youth Sunday instead. You have seen some of our teens leading you through worship today by singing on the praise team, leading the communion thought. Later, we'll even have a student um, join me on stage. Uh, so we're really excited about that as well. Before that, though, I wanted to talk to you all a little bit about some of the things that we have planned for this group, what our theme verse for the summer is, and how we plan to utilize that in all that we do. Our theme verse for this summer is Romans 12, 1 through 2. In the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul expresses what God has done for us. But now he begins to lay out how we should live, how we respond to what God has done. If you would, get out your Bible now, your app on your phone, follow along on the screen behind me, or you can pull out that Bible in front of you and turn to page 1,763. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, hearing this text, a lot of questions come to my mind, says, such as, what does it mean to be transformed? What is the goal of transformation? What is motivating all of us to undergo this transformation? And what do we do to experience transformation? Let's start off talking about the idea of transformation and change in general. So, you know, Avengers Endgame has recently come out. I haven't seen it, but to be fair, I also haven't seen Infinity War, and it's on Netflix. <laughs> Now, I am a huge movie buff, but I'm not the biggest Marvel fan, I will admit. I love all of the Spider-Man movies, uh, but I get bored with the other ones. You know, the original Captain America and Thor Ragnarok, they were decent. <laughs> but I find all of these movies to be pretty similar. It's the story of a guy or a girl who is ordinary in some way or another, and then something happens to them and they become extraordinary. So let's take, for example, Captain America. You know, he's this scrawny dude who can't even make it into the army because he's so little and weak. But then he's injected with this super juice and bakes in an oven, and then boom, muscles. You know, and then you have Spider-Man, who was just a teenager going on a field trip, and he's bitten by a radioactive spider. And Captain Marvel, well, she was in an accidental explosion. All of these characters were normal and ordinary people until something happened to give them superpowers. We eat up this idea, though. These movies are huge in our culture today. We cheer for them when we see these characters change to become more than they were, stronger, faster, or bigger. And we feel their pain when we see them at the beginning of the story, when they feel unworthy. 
We love to see these drastic changes in movies, but we don't like to embrace this change in our own lives. Well, why is that? We don't like to embrace this change because it's hard. It doesn't feel natural. Superheroes, you know, they have this easy fix overnight, and that's just not the case with us. A few weeks ago, Jake got us to repeat this phrase, not what I want, but what you want, oh God. But how many of us actually say that in our own lives? I feel like one of the greatest problems in our church today is not our beliefs or our stances, it's unchanged people. Followers who aren't willing to be radically transformed. Disciples who aren't willing to say, not what I want, but what you want, oh God. Christians who are Christian in name only, and it's just their, it's their box to check into the religion section of a survey. When the world sees followers who aren't following, it isn't moved. You know, I think we recognize pretty well when things aren't going as smoothly as they could, so we might try and tweak a few things, but, but is that what transformation really is, just tweaking things? You know, looking at verse 1 a little more closely, one of the first things I think about, especially with Mother's Day this past week, is the sacrifice that parents give every day. I cannot even begin to express how sacrificial my parents have been in my life. You know, I think about all the time they've given up to be at every basketball game I've ever played and I played a lot. <laughs> and I think about all the sleep they've lost to work on projects with me at night, and, and all the money they've given up to pay for medical bills for my migraines, just so they don't see their little baby suffer anymore. But do I sacrifice for my parents? You know, am I offering to clean up the house without being asked, or am I making it a bigger mess by leaving my laundry on the pool table? Am I offering to take my nephew Jake to school in the morning, or am I sleeping in while they do it? I want to be a living sacrifice for my parents, just like my parents, or just like I want to be a living sacrifice for our Holy Father. And Paul is describing something here that is a brand new idea. Sacrifices were something that you did once, you killed an animal, it was dead, and that was that. As people, we like to change our mind. But Paul is calling us to do the opposite. We are to choose daily to offer our lives up and not let it be a one-time thing. When we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, you know, ones that stay on the altar, it is pleasing to God. I want to focus on verse 2 more, though. You know, this second verse is what we're focusing on in the youth group this summer, and so that's why I really want to stress it. There are three, three key instructions that we can take from verse 2 of Romans 12, and those three things are that we are to resist the world. We are to renew our minds, and we are to recognize God's will. So right now, I'm still living with my parents in Carrollton to help pay off my student loans, but I'm very close to getting my own apartment or rental house. As I'm looking for places, all I can think about is how I'm going to decorate it to make it look as cute and homey as possible. I even have a Pinterest board called Dream Home that has you know, multiple pictures of living rooms and houses and kitchens that are completely unattainable for a single person in their first job. You know, one of the big trends in our culture today is the need for everything to be aesthetically pleasing. You know what I'm talking about? Think Chip and Joe. Chip and Joanna Gaines, they have this television show on HGTV, HGTV <laughs> called Fixer Upper. On this show, they flip houses to become these beautiful pieces of art, but they're so unrealistic to uphold. You know, this family walks into their new house after the old one has been revamped, and when they walk in the door, everything subtly matches. It's all brand new, but looks old or rustic. 
and everything is white. Yeah, so this family that has three kids and two dogs is going to paint their house, their, their kitchens, their, their walls, and especially their couches white. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so even though these are beautiful, they're completely impractical. So why do we love them? Well, you know, why do we love the patterns of, of this world? Why do we like the uniformity? It's familiar. It has similar structure. And it can look nice since it's what we're so used to. We like the uniformity, and we're told to be like everyone else. The world has a certain way of doing things, and if we don't do it like the world does, then we don't belong according to the world. So often we fall into the bad patterns of the world when we strive for things like money, when we strive for popularity, and when we strive for other worldly things that are fleeting. John 15, 19 says this, If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. But you do not, this, but I have chosen you out of the world, and this is why the world hates you. Um, we are in this world, but we are not of it. There is a lot of pressure to impress those around us and to do what everyone else is doing, but God calls us to live differently. He calls us to resist the world. The second point verse 2 makes is to renew your mind. The act of renewing your mind is where most of the change is going to stem from. Think about caterpillars, for instance. So they say, nah, I'm good. I don't think I'm going to change into a butterfly. No. Change is inevitable in their lives. God is the one, they allow themselves to be changed by God because God is the one changing them. Um, It can be a slow and uncomfortable process, but it's well worth it in the end. So we need to allow the Spirit to come in and change us, to come in and transform us. When I was in college, I took this class called the History of Renewal Movements. This class was about all that occurred in our churches and who were the big leaders in taking us to go from where we were to where we are now. One day in class, we talked about the difference of reformation and renewal. Reformation is just tweaking what already exists to try and make it better, but renewal is completely scrapping what you already have and having something new in place of it. This verse that we're looking at, you know, it doesn't say be transformed by the reformation of your mind. It says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We're called to scrap what we're doing right now and to live the new and good life that God has called us to. The third point of verse 2 is to recognize God's will. This last point of the verse is basically just a summary of the rest of the letters of Romans. In Romans 12 through 16, Paul is going to convince us of the everyday relevance of Christianity, and he's going to demonstrate what a good and acceptable and perfect life looks like in the church, in relationships with others, in the way we interact with those we don't agree with. These are the practical instructions that are on the way in the rest of the letter, and they are all derived from the ability to recognize God's will. This process of recognizing God's will is not a passive process. We are to be actively seeking opportunities to do his work. Use your surroundings. Our purpose comes from our passion, our placement, and our potential. What are you passionate about? Well, I am extremely passionate about sports. I can use that passion to act differently when I play, you know, such as not being a ball hog, not talking trash. Those little things, they don't go unnoticed. Our placement is also a key component. Where do you work? Where do you go to school? Where do you volunteer? Who are the people in those places that you can reach? You are there because God has placed you there. And the last thing is your potential. What do you hope and dream about for the future? Are the goals that you have set out worldly goals? 
Do you want a bigger house than your neighbor just to compete? Or do you want to make sure you know your neighbor's name and actually talk to them because they live 10 feet away? We find God's will and our purpose, but we have to be actively seeking it to recognize when it's in front of us. I don't want to just transform our thinking and how we look at the world, though. There are plenty of ideas that we need to think differently of in our churches as well. One of those is how we treat our children and teenagers. How many of you know the students that have been in front of you today helping with worship? These are the teens, these are all teens that are members of this church. They strive to have a deep relationship with Christ, and they're hopeful to have deeper relationships with each other and with all of you. I want to invite Patricio Alcazar up to the stage right now to discuss some of the hope that he has uh, for this youth group and this church as a whole. Good morning. (laughs) Okay, Pato, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I am Patricio Alcazar. I am 14 years old. I love to play sport, but I also like to focus in school. Um, I go to William B. Travis. Um, I am in the eighth grade, but next year I will be moving on to the freshman year at Townview Tag, which is a school located in downtown Dallas. Awesome. Okay, so tell us about how you and your family came to Skillman. Um, It was actually through my mom and my parents. Um, My mom actually noticed a sign outside that said, um, like, practice your English or better your English. Mm -hmm. And then she met Diane, who later on became a closer person to her. And then that's how she learned about the church. And then as time progressed, my parents joined, and then my siblings, and then finally me. And that's how we came to the church. That's awesome. Okay, so your mom came to this program, or came to this church through the program of Friends Speak. Um, So y'all are pretty new here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so I'm very, just want to shout that out, he's very new. And so I'm very proud of you for coming up here and getting over these nerves to be brave up here, and with all the other students that have been up here today, they've been so awesome. Proud of all y'all. Um, but so, since you're so new, you just came into Skillman, what are your first impressions? What do you see as some of our strengths, and what do you think are some of the things that we could work on as a whole? Well, something that I noticed was that I always feel welcome here. It always feels like a positive environment, and whenever I come here, I'm always greeted by people, and that's something that really changes me and makes me a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, the only improvement I would do is add more people so we can meet newer people. Mm-hmm. I actually met a new people today, and um, I didn't know they were actually here, but I'm glad that I met them now so I can become closer to them. That's awesome. Okay, so looking at the youth group specifically, what do you see are some of the things that the youth group does well and some of the things that we could work on? Um, I noticed that I can become closer to someone. I as you had said before in the youth group, like, it's not really about like, just meeting people, it's also about getting to know them and becoming closer to them. Um, but the only improvement would be adding more people to the youth group. Awesome. So uh, looking at this summer, you know, you're going to camp and mission trip and with some of the other things that we'll do fellowship-wise, what are you hoping to get out of this summer? I'm hoping to become closer to God, such as like, not by reading the Bible, like reading more on the Bible, and also by communicating with others by I will notice how it can help other people but also at the same time I want to help myself become a better person Mm -hmm. and I think by communicating with others and by helping myself I will reach that goal. Awesome. So what is your hope for the future of this youth group? I would like for newer generations to come to be able to learn what the community we have created here and what we've built up on here. 
I would like for teenager, teenagers to be like, to know that for the adults to validate the teenagers' points, mm. because I feel like adults can learn as much from teenagers as teenagers learn from adults. Mm. And that's something that I would like to change here in this church, not just in this church, but also outside. Awesome. Well, that's really great that, you know, you have this, this view that, you know, you think that the adults can learn from the teenagers and that we can all learn from each other. Um, and it's, it can be sad, but I think everything that you're feeling is very valid. And I really appreciate everything that you shared today. Let's, let's give Pato a hand. Thank you. Thanks, Pato. So one of the things that we heard Patricio emphasized was that he loved how joyful and welcoming the community of Skillman is. He can't walk into this church building without being greeted with a smile, and he loves that. He also talked about how cool it is that we have such a multi-generational congregation, but he thinks that that should be utilized more. Pato would love to see life groups and Bible classes where the different age groups mix up from time to time and that we get the different perspectives that we can all contribute. And the thing I find most powerful from my conversation with Patricio is that he believes that adults can learn just as much from teenagers as teenagers can learn from adults. We all come to the gospel and to life with different perspectives, and we should truly embrace that. We have a very multi-generational congregation. I encourage us to stop looking at teenagers as the church of tomorrow and start thinking of them as the church of today because a lot of churches really have a big problem with doing that. You know, they think teenagers today are not as important. They're a fallen generation, and that's really sad. So I, I encourage us to be better than that. You know, I read this book last semester called Do Hard Things, A Teenage Rebellion Against Low Expectations. It expresses the idea in the first chapter that we live in a society that promotes comfort and not challenges. It is a society where adults tend to have sadly low expectations for teenagers. The, adults, the, the authors are brothers who have gone out of their way to break those low expectations that they saw that adults had set out for them. Then they used their own life experiences and their research that they had gathered to equip teenagers who would read this book someday. And to encourage them to not let those low expectations define them either. You know, this book empowers teenagers to rebel against the low expectations set out for them and to be servants and leaders to all ages. I think as a church body, we need to be equipping and empowering our students to be leaders in our church family as well. I think we need to not only say that their ideas matter, but to really listen to them and put them into practice in our own lives. We need to have our ceiling be their floor. So as you go out this week, be looking for ways to resist the world, to renew your mind, to recognize God's will, and to empower the students of this church. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you send us out today with a transformed mind. I pray that the Spirit moves through us this week and gives us the courage to empower and equip the young minds of our world. I pray that we speak to teenagers in a way that makes them feel important now instead of making them feel like their ideas don't matter. God, I want to pray for this wonderful congregation and how they have blessed my life immensely. I am so thankful for every person in this room and the ones that couldn't be with us today as well. God, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.